namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya So we are reading from chapter 16 uh, verse starting with verse 11 right because verse 10 was uh, I remember talking about verse 10 verse 10 was at that point about um, how as a general rule we don't tell other people about our our finances <laughs> so then we're on verse 11 is that right yes okay good okay let me get my little glasses on here so um, what's happened, if you recall, is that uh, um, Prithu Maharaj and his wife, what was her name? Archie, uh, were born from the uh, churning the dead body of King Vena. First came uh, Bahuka, and then came these two. And uh, they, King uh, Pritu had many of the markings, not all of them, but many of the markings. Sorry, Bill. Are both, are either of you um, staying for the seminar this afternoon? No? Then uh, maybe one of you could give me a ride to the airport, if possible. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, Dulles, not, yeah. <laughs> one time, Prabhuji dropped me off, and it was my fault he dropped me off at the wrong airport because I told him that. <laughs> Right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. I guess. Um, so yeah, so so Archie and uh, Pritu were born from this incredible way, right? Uh, mystical way of, and he had the signs of a, of this personality of Godhead, or at least uh, many of the signs, because he was a Shakti Vesha avatar. And then all of these, the, all of these amazing gifts were given by all of these demigods and uh, you know uh, amazing personalities and then at the very end the suttas and the magadas right that's their name they started praising him and he he got a little upset why well, not upset but he was like wait wait rok rok stop why did he say stop it's too early yeah right right <laughs> right but that didn't stop them actually because in this chapter as we're um hearing the praises of the suttas and magadas. Magadas, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, they, didn't, they, they, they said, no, we know that Lord Brahma and others have recognized you, so we're not making any mistake here. And they um, glorify, are continuing to glorify him. So that's what we're up to on verse 11. Um, they're still speaking. Okay, King Prithu was born of the dead body of King Vena, as fire is produced from arani wood. Anyone ever seen arani wood? It's mentioned a lot in the Shastras, but I've never... Thus King Prithu will always remain just like fire, and his enemies will not be able to approach him. Indeed, he will be unbearable to his enemies, for although staying very near, uh, very near him, they will never be able to approach him, but will have to remain as if far away. No one will be able to overcome the strength of King Prithu. King Prithu will be able to see 
all the internal and external activities of everyone in his of his citizens. That's kind of scary, can you imagine? <laughs> Still, no one will be able to know his system of espionage, and he himself will remain neutral regarding all matters of glorification or vilification paid to him. He will be exactly like air, the life force within the body, which is exhibited internally and externally, but is always neutral in all affairs. So it's just, it's just interesting that even a great saintly king has his ways of dealing with things and has to have you know, espionage, just like Lord Ram would send, send, right, uh, find out what's going on in the kingdom. So he had his system, but no one would know what it is. So better than the CIA and NSA, Perhaps better. Yeah, I'm sure it can't be worse. Um, right? Because everyone knows that it's the CIA's in Langley, right? <laughs> but nobody knew where the uh, different spies were. <laughs> Since this king will always remain on the path of piety, see, so they're, they're using the future tense, he will be neutral to both his son and the son of his enemy. If the son of his enemy is not punishable, he will not punish him. But if his own son is punishable, he will immediately punish him. And Prabhupada writes that this is the characteristics of an impartial ruler. It is the duty of a ruler to punish the criminal and give protection to the innocent. King Prithu was so neutral that if his own son were punishable, he would not hesitate to punish him. On the other hand, if the son of his enemy were innocent, he would not engage in some intrigue in order to punish him. So that, uh, we see this in the past time of Lord Ramachandra. With Sita, although it was very, um, I, I think I told you right. I'm doing this. I missed one or two days, but I'm doing this program of reading 41 pages a day, right? Because then you can finish the Bhagavatam in a year. So I was. I didn't get a chance to look it up. Maybe if someone has the, uh, it's, it's in the residence of Jambadweet um, in the fifth canto. But there's like four verses there about Lord Ramachandra, and in one of those verses, um, it talks about how. That was just, that really, there was no ever any separation between Lord Ram and Sita Devi, ever. Even in the so-called ban banishing, you know, it didn't really, it wasn't like that in actuality. I don't know if anyone can find that, um, but uh, it might be hard um, without folio. We can maybe look at it a little later. But anyway, I was really inspired by those four or five verses. I'm going to, I'm supposed to speak on Ram Nomi. And I'm going to speak from those four or five verses. The Residence of Jambadweep, I think it's called, that chapter. But you'd have to look it up and then look up something like Rama, you know, and do a word search. But this is, this is an uh, uh, important characteristic of an honest person that they wouldn't hesitate to chastise their own son or daughter if they had, um, and then their enemies, they would not, um, cons you know, anyway, you see what we just read. So any thoughts on that? We'll have to, <laughs> everyone's on their phone looking for that. But there's like four verses. It's, it's, I believe it's um, 18th chapter, right? Yeah, 18th chapter, and then it's after eight or nine, it's probably where around 20 or 18 or 19 or 20, around there someplace. 
Unless I'm hallucinating and I never read it, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> okay. Just as the sun god expands his shining rays up to the Arctic region without imp impedance, the influence of King Pritu will cover all tracts of land up to the Arctic region and will remain undisturbed as long as he lives. This king, so there again, they're glorifying him and talking about his influence. This king will please everyone by his practical activities, and all of his citizens will remain very satisfied. Because of this, the citizens will take great satisfaction in accepting him as their ruling king. The king will be fir firmly determined and always situated in truth. He will be a lover of the Brahminical culture and will render all service to old men and give shelter to all surrendered souls. Giving respect to all, he will always be merciful to the poor and innocent. And in the purport, uh, it highlights this word, um, uh, dritta sankalpa or dritta brata. Whatever the king would decide to do, no one would uh, be able to stop. That is called dritta sankalpa or dritta brata. So also in um, the Bhagavatam, it talks about Krishna as, um, does anyone? That his, his uh, desires will never be checked. Does anyone know the Sanskrit? Some Salkalpa is the second word. No. Um, not Kama Sankalpa. What? Satya. Maybe it's Satya Sankalpa means more like the truth, right? But it, anyway, the point is, though, that the point is that Krishna, you know, anything that he desires automatically, there's no impediment. Whatsoever, right? You you know whatever Krishna wants, and that's um, that uh, prayer, right, to Lord Ramachandra. That if one, if someone just goes up to him once and says, "My dear Lord, you are the supreme personality of Godhead," right? That that he says that he'll offer all protection to that person from from now on, and that because that sentence means so much, right? It means. Such as uncalled that whatever you desire will get fulfilled. I'm not the supreme controller. As much as I want this and that to happen, it's really up to your sweet will for that to happen or not. Right? So here also it says that whatever the king would decide to do, no one would be able to stop. So that would be scary for some people in the human race right now. If whatever they wanted, no one would be able to stop, right? That would be uh, scary. But it's, 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 and this, this in the, the verse before that, it's so, it's actually quite amazing when you think about how far we've gone from the standard, right? Or at least the, well, maybe not the standard, but the ideal, right? That uh, the king will please everyone by his practical activities, and all of his citizens will remain very satisfied. Because of this, the citizens will take great satisfaction in accepting him as their ruling king doesn't happen today, right? Even if you win what's called a, a, a landslide victory, right, which is usually 65% or more. So if you get 65, that means 35% didn't want you to be president or senator or whatever, right? But here, uh, they all wanted him. And even in some places, it's mentioned that even the uh, miscreants who would be chastised by him still had great, um, at least, respect if nothing else, for such a... Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's so interesting to read this and to remember that this all took place in a different... Like a... Might as well be a different universe, right? But a different time 
in, in world history that is so different from where we're at today. Right? It's, it's not at all unusual for anyone to make fun of their elected officials today and make cartoons about them and late night shows joking about them and just, you know, just shooting them down. Even, even you know, ones that are maybe more liked than some of the present ones, but regardless, uh, it's really been a, uh, a march in Kali Yuga in that direction. <clears throat> but here, very different, very different. The king will respect all women as if they were his own mother. Hmm. Now, we don't see that with some of our elected officials today. And he will treat his own wife as the other half of his body. He will be... He, he will be just like an affectionate father to his citizens, and he will treat himself as the most obedient servant of the devotees who always preach the glories of the Lord. Hmm. Prabhupada writes in the purport, a learned man treats all women except his wife as his mother, looks on others' property, others property as garbage in the street, and treats others as he would treat his own self. These are the symptoms of a learned person as described by Chanakya Pandit. This should be the standard of education. Education does not mean having academic degrees only. One should execute what he has learned in his personal life. Um, I was thinking about this recently, um, and it's such an important point for us. It, it, and especially Prabhupada here uses the word only, so there's nothing wrong with an academic, you know, for example, knowing the Shastra very well, right? And knowing verses and, uh, and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not simply an academic endeavor. Of course, when you read the Shastra, it, even that is not academic only because you're also getting purified. Shrindatam sakata krishna shravana kirtanam that just by, just by doing that, what we would usually call reading a book as academic, uh, one becomes purified. And beyond that, or, or, and, and in, in, included in that is that, uh, it's just like I was reading recently, this was I think 1974, and Prabhupada was making a point, so they, the devotees introduced him to someone who had memorized the entire Bhagavad Gita, and it was uh, the first Mayapur festival, 74, the first major gathering in 1974. And Prabhupada just said, make sure he does something practical. <laughs> so not that he was, you know, he, you, know you, you say things to certain disciples to help them, you know, because obviously this one might have been a little proud. I know the whole bugger we give <laughs> Make sure he does something practical. But it's not just uh, ac academic uh, alone. And... Uh, I was thinking about this because a, a good friend of mine who has kind of a high position in the government in India um, wrote me that his daughter is attracted to this one, I won't mention the guy's name, this one person who um, is kind of an atheist, kind of a well-known atheist in America. And, and one of the, th I, I still haven't replied to him because I know whatever I replied to him, he'll send to his daughter and so I really, but I was thinking about how, um, well, I was thinking about a lot of things, but one thing was just how kind of proud it is to basically what this, this person is doing is writing off 
all religious experiences for the last thousands and thousands of years, <laughs> just because you know he has a degree from some university someplace, you know. Um, but really, uh, what what Prabhupada is stating here, and you know, I won't put it in such simple terms, but remember, what George Harrison writes at the the uh, preface to the Krishna book, right? And he says that you know, just trying to understand God. Um, without devotional service is like licking the outside of a jar of honey, right? So uh, I've always liked this, such a simple point, right? That we also believe in science, but the, the difference is that, or the challenge is that for us, the object of science is not some outside test tubes, but it's ourself. <laughs> that we have what hypothesis, experiment, and conclusion, right? So our hypothesis is that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, and by chanting Hare Krishna, one experiences a relationship with, with the Lord, et cetera, et cetera, by bhakti and all the, all the different things. But then the experiment is in ourself. It's not just some test tube somewhere outside. But we, and then we, 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 get, we get the result. Right? And so for a devotee who's experiencing that relationship with Radha Madan Mohan and Gornitai and Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman and uh, their spiritual master and Srila Prabhupada, it, you know, you just feel like uh, when you read someone who's not experiencing that and poo-pooing it, you just said, well, you know, why not give it a try? You know? um, and to just kind of like, as a person who just comes along just right off, so, you know, and in, in so many religious traditions, not just ours, right? It's so many experiences, spiritual experiences. Anyway, that, that kind of jumped out at me when I was reading that uh, last night, that uh, education does not mean having academic degrees only. One should execute what he has learned in his personal life. The, these learned characteristics were verily manifest in the life of King Prithu. Yeah. So this is such a wonderful point that you covered in Srila uh, Prabhupada's example. He also gave the example of a parrot, right? Yeah, right. Chanting should not be like that of a parrot because when the death will catch your throat, all it will do is its original sound of right. croaking instead of chanting. So yes. we should bring it into life so that when the last moment comes, we remember the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't mean we shouldn't be learned, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't be able to, uh, to convince other people by logic and reason. Lord Chaitanya did that. And Prabhupada writes in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that we as his followers should be able should be able to do that as well, um, but the the uh, first of all the conviction in our own heart gets strengthened so much when it's not just intellectually satisfying but it's it's soul satisfying and the shakti behind our words when we're experiencing it our uh, Krishna consciousness ourself has much more uh, there's much more of a zap to it so to speak. Uh, conviction to it, um, and if we're just kind of parrot or or just on the intellectual platform, which is not wrong. The Bhagavad Gita basically was written on the on one level on the intellectual uh, platform, as one uh, mentioned in the, some of the commentary. Also, Krishna says that that uh, that it's towards the end of the Bhagavad Gita. So yes, so both are there. We should study, but we really should apply, and that's the hard part. Actually, it's easy. It's kind of easy to study and learn a few shlokas. Right? It's another thing to actually try to uproot uh, the impure desires in our heart and really, or, or put it in a positive sense, 
it's really a challenge to really approach the Lord with feeling, to really approach the Lord with sincerity, that I really only want to serve you in this life. I really don't want anything else, Krishna. I have so many other desires, but please let me just focus on this one. That's, that's a challenge. Yes, uh, a microphone? It's just like the kids when you send them to school and uh, they go through the good education. Right. And as when they grow up, when the time comes, you know, they behave themselves well and that's the application. So in the same way, when we are religious and uh, we read the Bhagavad Gita or learn about the religion. When the time comes, uh, you know, you know what is good and what is bad, and then you go on the right path. Yes, that's a very and good point. An application. Yes, and I think that that's true whether we're talking, like you said, about children or in in our society. Right, some people they come to Christian consciousness at 18 years old, 20 years old, 25, 30, and getting that kind of um, I noticed it myself, so I, I became interested in Christian consciousness when I was uh, 16 or 17. So I was learning to memorize verses and things like that. And now those same verses that I memorized 40 years ago, um, they have a, different, a deeper meaning today. So I'm really happy that I did do that kind of memorization then. And I think that's, uh, that's part of bringing up children. Right, that uh, even in the traditional gurukul system, the idea is that a child join, uh, starts enters living with a guru at five years old, and gradually, over the years, the guru's in, um, intelligence and discernment um, enters into the the student's psyche, so that by the time they graduate, they're on their own, but they have that discernment uh, fixed in their heart. So yes, uh, that's a very good point. Because you can't expect, you know, just like we all know, right, especially those of us who've had a, um, a few children or, or our children are growing up, that you see them doing something silly at 7 or 9 or 12 or whatever, and you just say, okay, you know, dire, dire. It, they'll, uh, you know, <laughs> they'll, um, I saw this with, with Gurukul teachers who didn't have children. And when, they're, when one of the children, um, you know, misbehaved a bit, they were kind of like, oh, my God, what's going to happen, right? But uh, then I remember uh, Shesha Prabhu was the principal of school at the time, and he was just like, you know, he had two daughters. He said, just, you know, just, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, it's a passing phase kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so thank you for that very insightful comment. Other points? Yes, Mama Prabhu. Um, the standard of education Prabhupada was mentioning in this purport mm -hmm. is talking about qualities. But generally the education is viewed as knowledge. And Prabhupada somewhere he translates knowledge as qualities. Yeah. Well that's yes, knowledge as qualities. It, in the Bhagavad Gita when it talks about the um First two, the Brahmins and the Chatris in the 18th chapter mm -hmm. of Bhagavad Gita, it only talks about qualities. 
And when it talks about the other two Vaishnav uh, Sutras, then it talks about activities, which is kind of interesting. So one of the jobs of a Brahmin is to uh, act properly. Samadhamma tapa socham, right? Control the mind, control the senses, honesty, etc., like that. But uh, but as we're going to be reading, if we get to it today, um, although they were focusing on their qualities, the Brahmins were um, they were running the show, so to speak, because they were uh, influencing the Chatriyas. Yeah. And Prabhupada gave us a way to do both. He gave us a way because he, he gave us so many activities. Uh, he once said that uh, um, uh, all you really have to do is come to Mayapur and sit down and chant. But because you're so, because you can't do that, I've given you so many big, big projects to do around the world. <laughs> he's just making the point that he's given us the ability to do so many different kinds of devotional service and to be active because we're not uh, budget nundis who can just sit and chant 24 hours a day. Um, and at the same time, have a devotional mood. Tazmat sarveshu kaleshu, mama nusmara yudhyacha, to remember Krishna and do our activities, Krishna says in the Gita, which he says that's, that's his uh, prescription to Arjuna. And are we any better than Arjuna? And raise your hand if you are. Okay. Uh, so, that's, so Arjuna was active and he was remembering Krishna. Okay, anything else? All right, let's sally forth. Uh, text 18. The king will consider all embodied living entities as dear as his own self. <clears throat> Do you know a lot of politicians who think like that today? And he will all, and what to speak of even us, forget the politicians, <laughs> are we like that? And he will always be increasing the pleasures of his friends. Isn't that nice? A, a little tidbit on how to have good friendships. He will intimately associate with liberated persons and he will be a chastising hand to all impious persons. This king is the master of the three worlds and he is directly empowered by the supreme personality of Godhead. That's what it means, Shakti. Shakti means power, right? He is without change, and he is an incarnation of the Supreme known as Sakjavesha Avatar. Being a liberated soul and completely learned, he sees all material varieties as meaningless because their basic principle is nescience. Hmm. So let's, and the last paragraph of this purport says, thus a learned man does not look upon the dresses that externally cover the living entity, but sees the pure soul within the varieties of dress and knows very well that the varieties of dress are creations of nescience, avidya rachitam. Being a Shaktyavesh avatar empowered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Prithu Maharaj did not change his spiritual position and consequently there was no possibility of his viewing this material, the material world as reality. So, um, we, it's such a powerful statement, isn't it, that he, uh, learned, thus a learned man does not look upon the dresses. What he means by the dresses is, not, not the sweaters, but the material body, right? But I think if we, 
it's it's a real challenge to develop that consciousness. As the verse that's mentioned above, Vidya Vinaya Sampane, just above there. Vidya Vinaya Sampane, Brahmane Kavihastini, Suni Chaiva Sopakecha, Pandita Samadarshina, that the humble sage, by virtue of true knowledge, sees with equal vision a learned and gentle Brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog eater. Right? So how, how much do we have different kinds of bias when we see a person from this background or that background or beautiful or ugly or rich or poor? You know, um, do we immediately only look? Of course, we, you know, we notice the differences. That's, they're there. But do we, does, our, does our intelligence also click in immediately to this kind of verse? And say, no, that person's part and parcel of Krishna, that person's part and parcel of Krishna, that dog is part and parcel of Krishna, that tree is part and parcel of Krishna. Right? How, how quickly do we catch ourselves only focusing on the differences and refocus on the fact that Krishna is in everyone's heart? Ishwara sarva bhutanam hridesar. The world looks really different. When you do that, doesn't mean if somebody's coming at you with a knife, you just think, well, no, that's their spirit soul. Right? I mean, as Prabhupada would say, you don't embrace a tiger. So we do, we do acknowledge differences, right? But how, but also, and we are meant to become a humble sage and have true knowledge. And how many times have we, because of our bias, misread a person, right? I know I found this really uh, kind of a little interesting for me because um, uh, becoming a devotee at quite a relatively young age and then um, going out like in, in, the, in America in Doti and Korta and in, in the 70s and early 80s and not really being treated with a whole lot of respect <laughs> because of that. And then going to India and living there for 20 years and being kind of a novelty. People couldn't exactly figure out, here's a Western person, and he's wearing a dhoti and kurta, is he saintly or is he just a fake or, you know, you know, right? Kind of a novelty. And then coming back to America and uh, working in the outside world as a older white male. Right? And I've had pe people, especially women and uh, people of, um, who aren't white, um, say, well, you really have uh, what, white privilege, you have real privilege, they would say to me. And I was, you know, I'd be scratching, because for my whole life, until eight years ago, I'd, <laughs> I certainly didn't, even though I was, a white, you know, I was still a white male, right? But I said, well, you have white privilege, and you probably get paid more, and you get more respect, and I'm, because it just didn't, click at all to me because for most of my life until I moved back and got a job in America and wear you know, a suit or whatever, um, it didn't, <laughs> I didn't experience that at all. So what are you talking about? They said, of course, what are you talking about? You know? So I you know, explained to them my background and they said, well, you're in a different world now. Now you have privilege. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but really we're not um, Indian, we're not American, we're not male or female ultimately. How many of us 
were probably of a different gender in our last life. And we don't know. Maybe half of us, maybe more than half of us in this room. Right? It's, po it's certainly possible. Right? You know, whatever we meditate. So if we meditated on the opposite sex in our last life, you know, our spouse perhaps, next life, change koro. <laughs> right? So we're not ultimately these things. So Prithu Maharaj, being the supreme, being a Shaktyavesh avatar, he saw like this. Some thoughts? Yes, Rambaru Mataji. Um, one sec. Uh, just, uh, just a little thought about diversity and how a king or a leader or a spiritual master uh, appreciates or actually sees difference because they see the potential that they can offer to Krishna. Mm. And if you, if you know what I mean. Yes. So we see the value and that everything is meant to be used in Krishna service because everything is yes. part of Krishna. But I, I'd say in a leadership position, you're really looking for, mm, how can I best use this person's potential uh, whatever it is, and Prabhupada was so gifted at that with yes. homeless people and college people and professionals and mm -hmm. crazy people. You know, <laughs> it's just a point about. That. Yes, well, he did make distinctions in Krishna's service, right, 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 um, and he did tell us, for example, uh, that our focus should be on intelligent people. Because, and it was, in other words, uh, like I, I've often quoted my professor from university who said, it's okay to have your head in the clouds as long as your feet are on the ground. So he was very much like that, feet on the ground. So he knew that if, you, if, if intelligent people become Krishna conscious, they have more of an influence on the world, right? So he, uh, um, and so even if we see someone like Nandamuki, right? So we see her and we know that she's from China and we know that if we... If, she becomes a devotee, she may deliver a billion and a half people in China because she can preach to them in her, in her own language and you know, in an attractive way. So just like I, it was, I think I maybe told Nandamukhi this story, but uh, when the first Nanda, Yasamati Sutta Prabhu was the first Chinese devotee to become a devotee, and he came to the same, same Mayapur festival in 1974. And I was just thinking about him the other day because I was in Prabhupada's rooms in Mayapur. And there is this nice um, relief carving of Krishna. You ever seen that? Uh, opposite Prabhupada's Vyasa uh, Asana um, in his room in Mayapur in the, in the Lotus Building. And so Yasamati Sutta had just translated the um, introduction to the Bhagavad Gita. And so Prabhupada had him read it in um, Mandarin, I believe it was. May have been Cantonese. I think it was Mandarin. Uh, he said, "He said, read it to the relief of Krishna." And Prabhupada was sitting there with these, you know, um, uh, elderly uh, uh, um, Bengali gentlemen and ladies, and he's hearing, you know. And of course, with all due respect, Nandamuki, it's not like the most beautiful language in the world, but but uh, he's reading it in Chinese, and Prabhupada says, "It is sweet, is it not?" Because <laughs> he was just so happy. That you know, okay, so we don't see difference between Chinese or this or that, but uh, at the same time, there's there's a, over a billion human beings in China waiting for to hear about Krishna, and so here's the first opportunity, in, you know. So yes, so that's so it's really a, 
um, a dance for us to keep both in mind, right? Um, to see the differences and, and, and celebrate differences in one sense and engage everyone in Christian service and at the same time to understand ultimately that these are upadis, these are designations that are not our eternal self. Um, it's sometimes devotees at the very end of their life, uh, near Jan Bhajan, they'll enter into that mood where they just, you know, okay, okay, for my whole life I may have worked with the, the different designations in Krishna's service, but now I just approach the Lord, you know, towards the end of my life now I just focus on uh, that I'm a spirit soul, eternal servant of Krishna, and just focus on my relationship with Krishna as a soul. Is that all right? Anything else? Okay. Uh, next verse, text 20. This king, being uniquely powerful and heroic, will have no competitor. He will travel around the globe on his victorious chariot, holding his invincible bow in his hand and appearing exactly like the sun, which rotates in its own orbit, orbit from the south. When the king travels all over the world, other kings, as well as the demigods, will offer him all kinds of presentations. Of course, they already did, right? In the last chapter. Their queens will also consider him the original king who carries in his hand the emblems of club and disc and will sing of his fame, for he will be as reputable as the supreme personality of Godhead. This king, this protector of the citizens, is an extraordinary king and is equal to the Prajapati demigods. For the living facility of all citizens, he will milk the earth, which is like a cow. Now we're going to hear that pastime in the next two chapters. Not only that, but he will level the surface of the earth with the pointed ends of his bow, breaking all the hills exactly as King Indra, the heavenly king, breaks mountains with his powerful thunderbolt. And we'll hear the reasons for that also in two chapters from now. But suffice it to say that there was a crisis and the citizens were not having enough to eat. And so he created more land that was fertile for growing grains. When the, when the lion travels in the forest with its tail turned upwards, all menial animals hide themselves. Similarly, when King Prithu will travel over his kingdom and vibrate the string of his bow, which is made of the horns of goats and bulls, uh, and is irresistible in battle, all demoniac rogues and thieves will hide themselves in all directions. At the source of the river Saraswati, this king will perform 100 sacrifices known as Ashvamedha. In the course of the last sacrifice, the heavenly king Indra will steal the sacrificial horses. So it's interesting how they could also predict the future. See the, I don't think it's just predict, see it. Trikalagya. That means, uh, tree means three, and so one who knows past, present, and future. This King Prithu will meet Sanat Kumar, one of the four Kumaras, in the garden of his palace compound. The king will worship him with devotion and will be fortunate to receive instructions by which one can enjoy transcendental bliss. In this way, when the chivalrous activities of King Prithu come to be known to the people in general, King Prithu will always hear about himself 
and his uniquely powerful activities. And in the purport, Prabhupada says, to artificially advertise oneself and thus enjoy a so-called reputation is a kind of conceit. What does conceit mean? Pride? Cheating propensity? Um, Prithu Maharaj was famous amongst the people because of his chivalrous activities. He did not have to advertise himself artificially. One's factual reputation cannot be covered. Whereas John Lennon once said, uh, one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. But uh, <clears throat> you can hide it to some extent. That's one of the problems, or else we wouldn't have a purport like this, right? It even talks about, the Shastra even talks about the difference between lust and greed. No, lust and anger. That lust you can kind of hide a little bit. You know, you just kind of look somebody, but you're really, it's really, some, but anger is very hard to hide um, in your body language. It's very hard. <laughs> you try to hide it. So, um, this is good instruction for us. That again, it goes back to kind of that point, a little bit like the point about uh, academic knowledge and behavior, right? That uh, you don't really have to worry about your reputation if you're always acting according to guru, sadhu, shastra, and, and just proper ethics and respect, right? But if you're not there, then you're always kind of thinking, what does so-and-so think of me, and, right? Uh, and you can, one can get very, 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 very caught up in this in all kinds of different ways making sure you have a bigger house than another person or a better car than another person or dress better than another person or no more verses than another person or, you know, whatever it is, this, um, this disease of comparison is very much within us, right? But that goes away when there's a strong sense of self-satisfaction, right? And there's, sev there's a lot of ver several verses I can think of in the Shastra that talk about this. Uh, um, what is that verse? Bhaktir Pareshanu Bhava Varaktir Anyatra Traisa Ekakala. No, that, is that the one? No, the one that uh, talks about um, that just as someone who's, hung, uh, who's hungry, they're, they're, is that the right verse? Yeah, they're satisfied, right? When, when they, when they, for every morsel, they get nourishment, relief, of uh, hunger and satisfaction, right? And in the same way, one who takes to devotional service gets relief from material desires. And one of the words is tushti. Tushti means satisfaction. So as much as Mick Jagger couldn't get any satisfaction, um, when, it's, when we feel satisfied in our relationship with Krishna, we don't have to prove anything to anyone else. Right? It's just... Uh, it's, it's evident, right, like that. So, um, and I'm sure, so, so it's a good practice for us to catch ourselves when we're trying to do something more to impress others than really for advancing our bhakti and to try to catch ourselves before it gets out of hand. <laughs> so again, this, so this verse is a little bit about internal self-awareness and then doing something spiritual about that self-awareness. Some thoughts on this?
confirmed. Everyone's checking their phone now, making sure they're there. <laughs> Thank you, Nandamuki. <laughs> Nothing on this? Okay. Well, then I guess you're all totally self-satisfied and, and not worried about your so-called reputation. It, reputations are very um, fleeting, right? One day you're up, and then the next day you're on Facebook for something you know you probably didn't do, and then you know everyone's looking at you like you know you're have a, a uh, disease that they can <laughs> a contagious disease, right? And it's really hard in this. It's really actually hard. It's if you if we just want to. Um, manipulate our reputation, it's very difficult, right? They say that, what is it, that it takes five positive things to negate a negative thing in, in, in advertising or in, you know, like, about, like a restaurant, for example. One, one negative uh, review goes out further than five positive ones or something like that. So it's such, a, uh, such is the world that we live in. Still, uh, one time I remember Sannyasi saying, well, listen, you know, I need to clear my name because the only thing is Sannyasi, sannyasi doesn't present, uh, doesn't have any possessions in this world but their reputation, he once told me. I thought that was an interesting statement. Okay, then we'll, yes, Andy, uh, microphone. I just want to make a quick uh, comment about reputation. Okay. It seems to me, if you really had a sense of well-being emanating from inside, right, then even though the, your your reputation is very factual, it would make no difference, right? If you had a connection with Krishna, and you yeah. had that complete bliss, even your reputation, right or wrong, would make no difference to you, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Yes, as a general rule, the only reason you might... Uh, the one reason a devotee would be concerned if it affects um, his, his or her ability to share Krishna consciousness with others. That would be the one. Yeah. Okay, so last verse in this chapter. No one will be able to disobey the orders of Prithu Maharaj. After conquering the world, he will completely eradicate the threefold miseries of the citizens. Uh, then he will be recognized all over the world. At that time, both the suras and asuras will undoubtedly glorify his magnanimous activities. And that was verse 20. Oh, so the last sentence of that purport. If one is able to eradicate completely the threefold miseries of the citizens, he should aspire to rule the world. One should not aspire to rule for any political or diplomatic consideration. What's so funny? <laughs> that was a galaxy. Long. <laughs> that was a galaxy. You know, yeah. What's that saying in a, in a galaxy? Many, many, what is it? Star Wars, Star Wars right? right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Now we got a good laugh out of the last sentence. We'll move on to the next chapter. Maharaj Prithu becomes angry at the earth. The great sage Maitreya continues. Remember, there's different conversations going on. This is Maitreya speaking to Vidura about King Prithu. 
In this way, the reciters who were glorifying Maharaj Prithu readily described his qualities and chivalrous activities. At the end, Maharaj Prithu offered them various presentations with all due respect and worshipped them adequately. It's really not this word, respect. It's probably one of the most important, well, one of the most important words, one of the most important activities we can do in life is to offer respect to others. Lord Chaitanya talks about this in the third verse of the Shikshastakam. And if you really want to have uh, the key to having good relationships with just about anybody is to treat them with respect. I do a lot of training of supervisors and uh, leadership in the government and uh, I just try to drive home this point. You know, The most important thing you can do, even if you have to sometimes chastise them or you write them up for being late or this or that, but if, but if, you, if they feel that you respect them, 50% of your job is taken care of. King, uh, King Pritu, thus satisfied and offered all respect, there's the word again, to all leaders, uh, all the leaders of the brahmanas and other castes, so not just to the brahmanas, everyone, to his servants, he was respectful to his servants, right? Because there's that saying, uh, it's easy to be respectful to a, uh, you know, uh, I think the saying a king, but it's the real ch um, uh, show of character is if you're respectful to anyone who can't do anything for you, basically, right? And Prabhupada talks about... Uh, um, one time, do you remember that he was on a train, and there was a woman who was a sweeper. Right? What? Is it in a Jewish temple? What's the story? Go ahead. Get the microphone. So they're all uh, having meeting with Prabhupada, and uh, all the GBC, the top leaders, and this lady was standing outside. Uh, holding the broom and Prabhupada uh, looked at and he stopped talking and then he said let's go out because she wants to come in and she wants to clean the room mm -hmm. so Prabhupada actually uh, after doing that he narrated the same thing that it happened when his spiritual master was having a meeting and Achha. yeah the same thing happened mm -hmm. to him also and he was saying uh, uh, a humble lady like a sweeper how much uh, respect has to be given to her even because she's doing her duty. Mm, nice. Thank you. To his servants, to his ministers, to the priests, citizens, general countrymen, people from other communities, admirers and others, and thus they all became happy. Vidura inquired from the great sage Maitreya, my dear Brahmana, since Mother Earth can appear in different shapes, why did she take the shape of a cow? And when King Prithu milked her, who became the calf, um, uh, and what was the milking pot? The surface of the earth is by nature low in some places and high in others. How did King Prithu level the surface of the earth? And why did the king of heaven, Indra, steal the horse meant for the sacrifice? So he heard all these things. He wants to know the reasons behind it. The great um, saintly king, Prithu Maharaj, received knowledge from Sanakumar who was the greatest Vedic scholar. After receiving knowledge to be applied practically in his life, how did the saintly king attain his desired destination? Prithu Maharaj was a powerful incarnation of Lord Krishna's potencies. 
Consequently, any narration concerning his activities is surely very pleasing to hear, and it produces all good fortune. As far as I am concerned, I am always your devotee, as well as the devotee of the Lord, who is known as Adhoksaja. Please, therefore, narrate all the stories of King Prithu, who, in the form of the son of King Venu, milked the cow-shaped earth. Sutta Goswami continued, When Vidura became inspired to hear of the activities of Lord Krishna in his various incarnations, Maitreya also began being inspired and being very pleased with Vidura, began to praise him. Thus, Maitreya spoke as follows. Prabhupada writes, That talk of Krishna Kata, or topics about Lord Krishna uh, or his incarnations, is spiritually so inspiring that the reciter and hearer are never exhausted. That is the nature of spiritual talks. We have actually seen that one can never become satiated by hearing the conversations between Vidura and Maitreya. Both of them are devotees, and the more Vidura inquired, inquires, the more Maitreya is encouraged to speak. A symptom of spiritual talks is that no one feels tired. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, thus, upon hearing the questions of Vidura, the great sage Maitreya did not feel disgusted, but rather felt encouraged to speak at greater length. So we all, uh, I think we, if you give a class and you say, any questions? And they, oh, okay, I wonder what happened there, right? <laughs> uh, you guys aren't like that by your great questions and comments. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's such a nice purport, actually. This is, we know we're getting a taste for Krishna consciousness when we are enlivened to hear about Krishna and nothing. Oh, geez. You know, you ever like been in a really boring class and you look at your watch and it's only like three minutes since the last time you looked at your watch? <laughs> God. You're pinching yourself to stay awake. You know, you're doing, uh, you know, power, <laughs> what is it, the pressure points and uh, <laughs> things like that. Right, or you're making sure no one's really watching as you're looking at your phone and seeing what's in the news, you know, whatever, right? Um, but that's obviously not, um, the, the relationship between Maitreya and Vidura was so sweet. And, and, it, and you see it also, Sukadeva Goswami and Maharaj Prikshit, Sutta Goswami and the sages of Naimasharanya, right? <laughs> Sometimes when you see the, because uh, devotees often, especially when Srila Prabhupada was around, didn't get much sleep. Right, they're up late painting or fixing or doing service. So you, when you look at some of the videos, it's oh, like, <laughs> they're really struggling to stay awake. Uh, even some I've seen some people standing and you know, you know, uh, <coughs> Prabhupada is talking. Mm. Um, but but that, that, that's a good point. That um, as much as as we really make serious spiritual advancement. We, get, we may uh, cut down on our eating and sleeping. Um, it's actually important to get sufficient rest. Another place Prabhupada talks how the in intelligence is not sharp if one is deprived of sleep. So one needs to get sufficient rest so that when they come to a class or they're chanting the rounds or whatever, they're, they're actually doing um, surup siddhi bhakti, direct devotional service, um, that they're actually there and not just, because oh, it's not... You know, so much mental energy goes into trying to stay awake, isn't it? When you're really 
tired and you know uh, I mean sometimes standing up helps splashing some water you know or whatever but uh, ultimately we want to come to this so he it says I thought it was interesting yeah it's not like no any questions and you really hope hope there's no questions so I can end this class as quickly as possible right <laughs> you know no you know you're generally it's um, it's inspiring the speaker gets enlivened when they hear questions. Sometimes it's not so enlivening when uh, this happens in ISKCON sometimes. You ask for any questions and then someone asks a question that had nothing to do with what you talked about. Right? Nothing to do with it. It's easier here because here we're doing more uh, informally and there's give and take throughout the class and things like that. So it's a little easier. Um, any thoughts on this? Some thoughts on this? Yes, Andy. I did hear one guru on YouTube that said there are no bad questions, only bad answers. There are no bad questions, only bad answers. Yeah. Well, usually, what you can do if you you know you can you can redirect the question where you know in a way that you know goes in a good direction. Yeah. Generally speaking, like that. <laughs> okay. Shall we continue it? Text number nine. The great sage Maitreya continued, "My dear Vidura." At, that, at the time, King Prithu was enthroned by the great sages and brahmanas and declared to be the protector of the citizens. There was a scarcity of food grains, right? So this is what we were talking about. The citizens actually became skinny due to starvation. There, that's not a problem at this temple. Therefore, they came before the king and informed him of their real situation. Right? So that's what you do. You go to this king and you say, help us out. Um, Dear king, just as a tree with a fire burning in the hollow of the trunk gradually dries up, we are drying up due to the fire of hunger in our stomachs. You ever had that experience? You feel like, just, you know, just like, oh, right. You are the protector of surrendered souls, and you have, a, uh, have been appointed to give employment to us. Therefore, we have all come to you for protection. You are not only a king, but the incarnation of God as well. Indeed, you are the king of all kings. We've heard that before, right? Isn't that a, a Christian saying also? You can give us all kinds of occupational engagements, for you are the master of our livelihood. Therefore, O king of all kings, please arrange to satisfy our hunger by the proper distribution of food grains. Please take care of us, lest we soon die for want of food. After hearing this lamentation and seeing the pitiable condition of the citizens, King Prithu contemplated this matter for a long time. So he didn't just like, you know, he thought about it deeply to see if he could find out the underlying causes. So that's um, interesting. So here's more about the underlying causes. Having arrived at a conclusion, the king took up his bow and arrow and aimed them at the earth, exactly like Lord Shiva, who destroys the whole world out of anger. Um, in purport, King Pritsu found out that the cause for the scarcity uh, found out the cause for the scarcity of food grains. He could understand that it was not the people's fault, for they were not lazy in executing their duties. Rather, the earth was not producing sufficient food grains. This indicates that the earth can produce sufficiently if everything is properly arranged. But sometimes the earth can refuse to produce food grains for various reasons. So 
there's a uh, Latin saying, post hoc ergo propter hoc. Anyone ever heard that? It's a, uh, logical it's a logical fallacy that says, after this, because of this. So, you tr so, so here, one might have concluded that there's not enough food, therefore it's because the citizens are lazy. Because right? you see, the, you, you may uh, assume a causal connection. Right? But here, Prithu Maharaj is giving a really good example that he didn't, uh, he didn't, he avoided that logical fallacy. And, and it says here that he um, considered the matter for a long time to try to understand what was the exact, really the cause. And then he came up with a different conclusion. Right, so we, we may do that sometimes also. We uh, may... Um, assume that one thing is the cause of something else without looking into it uh, deeply. And that's, that's a, it's a common logical fallacy, right? Uh, the one, the, the one kind of funny one that I, I remember, and I may have mentioned this in a previous class, and maybe Rambaru Matsuji was in Vrindavan at that time, when the, the tamal tree passed, uh, died in the uh, courtyard, right? And there was some politics going on in uh, Iskan Vrindavan at that time with one um, uh, sannyasi who wasn't part of Iskan and had some influence in our society. Um, and so there was all these thoughts about, well, the, uh, the, the tree died because we offended that sannyasi. And then some other people said the tree died because we offended Prabhupada by listening to someone outside of uh, Prabhupada's teachings. And then, then the, uh, the uh, person who is the expert on trees that we had hired, he said, the tree died because you watered it too much. <laughs> right? So uh, he called it root rot, right? And then we planted, a new, and the tree that you see now is a, is a new uh, tamal tree there. But, you know, after this, because of this, right? So... Um, so Prithu Maharaj just showed a really good example of how to avoid that. He really looked towards the ultimate, you know, to the a deeper investigation into something. Okay. Any thoughts on post hoc ergo propter hoc? A lot of the logical fallacies are uh, written in uh, Latin or Greek, Latin, Latin, Latin. You know, like argumentum ad hominem, when you attack the person instead of the what they're saying, or argumentum ad baculum, where you, instead of arguing with the person, you just take out a stick, <laughs> right? It's very powerful, right, sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, one time, I think it was President Truman, I forget which country he was talking about, some small country, and he said, you have to understand, he was talking to the president of the country, and he said, your country is like a fly. And the United States is like an elephant. And sometimes the elephant trunk goes, you know, goes this way and that way to slap away the fly. So be careful. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> so that's argumentum ad baculum. <laughs> or even another president said, speak softly, but carry a big stick. When the earth saw that King Prithu was taking his bow and arrow 
to kill her, she became very much afraid and began to tremble. By the way, he never killed the earth, just to give you, so you don't get worried if we don't get to that this year. This, uh, but he showed his anger for a reason. She then began to flee exactly like a deer, which runs very swiftly when followed by a hunter. Being afraid of King Prithu, she took the shape of a cow and began to run. Saying this, Maharaj Prithu became very angry, and his eyes became as red as the early morning sun. Placing an arrow on his bow, he, ch he chased the cow-shaped earth wherever she would run. The cow-shaped earth ran here and there in outer space between the heavenly planets and the earth, and wherever she ran, the king chased her with his bow and arrow. Just as a man cannot escape the cruel hands of death, the cow-shaped earth could not escape the hands of the son of Vena. At length, the earth, fearful, fearful, her heart aggrieved, turned back in helplessness. Addressing the great opulent King Prithu as the knower of religious principles and the shelter of the surrendered, she said, please save me. You are the protector of all living entities. Now you are situated as a king in this planet. The cow-shaped earth continued to appeal to the king. I am very poor and have, committed, and have not committed any sinful activities. I do not know why you want to kill me since you are supposed to be the knower of all religious principles. Why you are so envious of me and why you are so anxious to kill a woman. Even if a woman does commit some sinful activity, no one should place his hands upon her. And what to speak of you, dear king, who are so merciful. You are a protector and you are affectionate to the poor. The cow-shaped earth continued, my dear king, I am just like a strong boat and all the paraphernalia of the world is standing upon me. If you break me into pieces, how can you protect yourself and your subjects from drowning? King Prithu replied to the earthly planet, My dear earth, <laughs> you have disobeyed my orders and rulings. In the form of a demigod, you accepted your share of the yagyas we performed, but in return you have not produced sufficient food grains. For this reason, I must kill you. Although you are eating grass, uh, green grass every day, you are not fulfilling filling your milk bag, he's talking in a, um, what's the word? Metaphor, yeah. Um, your milk bag so we can utilize your milk. Since you are willfully committing offenses, it uh, cannot be said that you are not punishable due to your assuming the form of a cow. You have lost, you have so lost your intelligence that despite my orders, you do not deliver the seeds of herbs and grains formerly created by Brahma and now hidden within yourself. So next time you see seeds and herbs, you can remember that they were created by Lord Brahma. Now with the help of my arrows, I shall cut you to pieces. With your flesh, satisfy the hunger-stricken citizens who are now crying for want of grains. Thus I shall satisfy the crying citizens of my kingdom. Any cruel person, be he a man, woman, or impotent eunuch, who is only interested in his personal maintenance and has no compassion for other living entities may be killed by the king. Such killing can never be considered actual killing. So remember, he actually uh, doesn't obviously kill, but he's showing how angry he is. And the purport, um, Prabhupada writes um, that the planet Earth is actually a woman in her constitutional form, um, and as such, needs to be protected by the king. Prithu Maharaj uh, argues, however, that if a citizen within the state, he be, be he man, woman, or eunuch, is not compassionate upon his fellow men, 
he or she may be killed by the king, and such killing is never to be considered actual killing. As far, and then Prabhupada brings it to our situation. As far as the field of spiritual activities is concerned, when a devotee is self-satisfied and does not preach the glories of Krishna, he is not considered a first-class devotee. A devotee who tries to preach, who has compassion upon innocent persons who have no knowledge of Krishna, is a superior devotee. And in his prayers to the Lord, Prahlad Maharaj said that he was not personally interested in liberation from this material world. Rather, he did not wish to be liberated from this material condition until all the fallen souls were delivered. So, um, Prabhupada is bringing it to So, one of the ways that we make spiritual progress is to actually, um, as Prabhupada writes, I was just reading, because I'm reading ahead, right? I'm 41 pages a day, so I'm up to, I just finished um, Ajamil, the, past, uh, the sixth canto of Ajamil. And uh, Ajamil had these amazing realizations after he, uh, so very briefly, Ajamil was a Paka Brahmana. And then by seeing two people engaged, in, a man and a woman engaged in sense gratification, he just lost it, as we would say, you know, and just became a very degraded person. But at the very end, uh, calling out his son's name, Narayan, he, at, at the very last, uh, last breath of his, seemed to be the last breath of his life, of course he lived afterwards for some time, um, he was delivered. Um, and then what happened, then in, in, in both his, Statements and then in Prabhupada's purports, Srila Prabhupada talks about how a devotee should um, remember how they've been saved from a very abominable life and um, how they should be very, very careful, very, very determined not to again fall into that kind of, and, and to be so appreciative of their life. So, one of the Ways at one time, Srila Prabhupada was asked, "How can we pay? How can we repay our debt to you?" And he said the, the classic statement that we are familiar with: that you know, really, a disciple's mood is not that at any time they can repay their debt; that they can remain, uh, they remain eternally indebted. But then he said, "But if you want to try, then he said, try to preach vigorously as I am doing." That's what he said. So we find some ways, whether it's bringing, you know, like, I, like you know, buying some cookies at the uh, bake sale and giving them to our coworkers at work, or whatever we we may do, carry books with us in our car and find an interested person. But somehow or other, um, try to help others because with the because we are so um, appreciative of how we've been helped. Right. Or we can uh, donate money for uh, the printing of Prabhupada's books, and then we put those books. I was in uh, El Paso, Texas, uh, last week. Last week? Yeah. yeah, last week. And I was um, so we the devotees there do a program in a hotel that's owned by a, um, a devotee. He's not initiated, but a devotee, a very nice man. And so I so we put me up in one of the rooms. So I open up the drawer, and there's a Bible and a Bhagavad Gita, <laughs> right? And so that's, that's one way we can do We can give donations for the Motel Gita project, right, where we put Bhagavad Gitas in different hotels and motels. Just like um, I, I mentioned last night that I was staying at, so I stayed at a, a Marriott um, property last night, 
and the, Mr. Marriott's a, a uh, Mormon. So they have the Bible and the Book of Mormon in their drawer, right? Like that. So, yena kena pakari now manasa Krishna veshi. Somehow or other, fix our mind on Krishna. That's what that verse says. But another yena kena pakari is find some way to uh, show compassion to others in one way or another. That's um, that. And what's so interesting about that, it, 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 um, it helps the other person, but it also helps us. <laughs> we make spiritual advancement by helping other people spiritually. Yes, uh, microphone for the doctor. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please. <laughs> but uh, when you were talking about the hotels and keeping the Bhagavad Gita, they normally have an event which is called uh, uh, the Hotel Association. Yes. And maybe at that time somebody suggests them because a lot of hotels have been owned by the Indians. Yes. And then they could start that. And that That's a very, very good suggestion. We, we used to call them Patel Motels. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So, uh, and this AHOA, which is the American Hotel Association. And they had 12 Patel, 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 <laughs> and then one registration was adverse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Don't believe it. Right, so that is a program that we have in this where we uh, yeah, go, go to such a service. Nice. I think they have it during summertime, and they do it in different cities. It's nice, because sometimes people are very distressed when they're in hotels and things, and you just open up the door, and there you go. Yes. Yes. So when you wake up and you see the Bhagavad Gita or the Bible or the Mormon, it's, you know, you open it. For right. Sure. That's right. That's right. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. Because we, we take our uh, Bhagavad Gita with us. We yes. We have one in the car all the time. Uh-huh. Very nice. Very nice. So, yes. Yeah, so one way or another... We try to help people uh, hear about Krishna. Right? And, but you know, you, you can't give what you ain't got. So we have to, uh, we have to um, be Krishna conscious ourselves. But it, but doing both, uh, they they play off each other, right? It's like an upward spiral. We we hear and chant about Krishna, then we help others hear and chant about Krishna. That gives us more of a taste. And like that. Okay, let's see, what time is it? My, what? Yeah, that's, uh, we still have time for a few more verses. So that was, tw oh, so 27. Um, you are very much puffed up, so this is, he's still really getting on uh, Bumi's case. Now, you know, we, we know that this is a pastime in other places, uh, uh, especially the beginning of the 10th canto, right? Right, the... Uh, Mother Bhumi goes to uh, the shore, uh, the shore of the ocean, Shiro Dakshai Ocean, right? To uh, help, <laughs> right? And also, what's mentioned another another Earth pastime. What's another pastime about the Earth in uh, the Bhagavatam? Lord Varaha, yeah, yes, that's right, yes, All right. So. You are very much puffed up with pride and become almost insane. 
presently you have assumed the form of a cow by your mystic power. Nonetheless, I shall cut you into pieces like grain, and I will uphold the entire population by my personal mystic power. Because she was saying, you know, if, you, if I'm finished, then we're, uh, everyone falls into the Garbodog Ocean again. And he said, no, no, I have mystic powers. I can take care of that. So he checkmated her on that. At this time, Prithumaraj became exactly like Yamaraj, and his whole body appeared very angry. In other words, he was anger personified. After hearing him, the planet Earth began to tremble. She surrendered and with folded hands began to speak as follows. So now, Dharovacha. Uh, the planet Earth spoke, my dear Lord. Now, see how philosophical she gets. She gets like, uh, like wow, she must have just read the Bhagavatam before she said these things. <laughs> oh, supreme personality of God, you are transcendental in your position. And by your material energy, you have expanded yourself in various forms and species of life through the interactions of the three modes of material nature. Unlike some other masters, you always remain in your transcendental position and are not affected by the material creation, which is subject to different material interactions. Consequently, you are not bewildered by material activities. The planet Earth continued, My dear Lord, you are the complete conductor of the material creation. You have, that's a nice kind of, if you think of like a music conductor. Right? Uh, you have created this cosmic manifestation and the three material qualities, and therefore you have created me, the planet Earth, the resting place of all living entities. Yet you are always fully independent, my Lord. Now that you are present before me and ready to kill me with your, your weapons, let me know where I should go to take shelter and tell me who can give me protection. In the beginning of creation, you created all these moving and non-moving living entities by your inconceivable energy. Through this very same energy, you are now prepared to protect the living entities. Indeed, you are the supreme protector of religious principles. Why are you so anxious to kill me, even though I am in the form of a cow? My dear Lord, although you are one, by your inconceivable potencies, you have expanded yourself in many forms. Through the agency of Brahma, you have created this universe. You are therefore directly the supreme personality of Godhead. Those who are not sufficiently experienced cannot understand your transcendental activities because those, the, these persons are covered by your Lucy energy. Very philosophical. My dear Lord, by your own potencies, you are the uh, original cause of the material elements as well as the performing instruments, the senses, the workers of the senses, the controlling demigods the intelligence and the ego, as well as everything else. By your energy, you manifest this entire cosmic creation, maintain it, and dissolve it. Through your energy, all alone, everything is sometimes manifest and sometimes not manifest. You are therefore the supreme personality of God, the cause of all causes. I offer my respectful obeisances to you. And then I just really found this purport very interesting. So Prabhupada says that all activities begin with the creation of the total energy, right? That's the, the pradhan, right, and mahatattva. Well, mahatattva, once it's energized by Krishna. Then by the agitation of the three gunas, the physical elements are created, as well as the mind, ego, and the controllers of the senses. All of these are created one after another by the inconceivable energy of the Lord. Now listen to this analogy. In modern electronics, a mechanic may, by pushing only one button, set off an electronic chain reaction. 
by which so many actions are carried out one after another. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of God, it pushes the button of creation and different energies create the material elements and various controllers of the physical elements and their subsequent interactions follow the inconceivable plan of the Supreme Personality of God. So it's, you know, Prabhupada would sometimes go on Fifth Avenue in New York and there was that atlas holding up the world near um, the Rockefeller Center. And he said it wasn't, God, Krishna is not like that. But he's really struggling to hold up. <laughs> right? He just said, here, just press the button. <laughs> just press the button. <laughs> and then the chain reaction of creation takes place. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, so it's nice to be back in studying the Bhagavatam. And we will continue next week. Uh, starting with text number 34. Mm -hmm. I'll send out the homework assignment, but we, um, I, we might be able to finish uh, chapter, yeah, maybe chapter 19, up to chapter 19, we'll see, in this exciting pastime. But don't worry, the earth pacifies Prithu Maharaj and uh, all, all, all's well that ends well, even though we left you hanging a little bit with uh, Prithu very angry and the cow saying, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Hare Krishna, all glories to Shri Prabhupada.